Oh, welcome to the first episode of the Living Fast podcast. I am so excited that I'm joined here by personal friend of mine, Jake Perkins. I was thinking about, okay, you know, we're starting a podcast. We want to bring on some interesting people. At the end of the day, I look at myself and I'm all about living fast. Like I, I, I wake up, I go. It's just wake up, I'm at it. I'm going fast and I surround myself with people that are like that. that are trying to be that, that are trying to do that. And when I was thinking about who do I bring on, you know, it's first episode, the nerves are there, people are gonna be tuning into this and I wanna bring in people that really embody what living fast is because life is too short to live slow. Mm -hmm. And Jake fit the mold. He's an absolute killer. He loves, he's a 24 seven hustler. He works so hard. I see him like day in and day out. Every time I've met this guy and had a conversation, we talk for way too long. Not in a bad <laughs> yeah. way. Not in a bad way. In a good way. Because this guy brings so much value. And most importantly, he just is an absolute hard worker. And I think that that is something that I'm super excited about. And one thing about him, he's a great guy too. So I'm, well, I'm really excited to have my first guest, Jake Perkins, on for the first episode of the Living Fast Podcast. I also want to give a shout out to Born Fitness and Locked In Supplements. We're going to be talking a lot about that in the future episodes. But yeah, let's just get going. The first thing that I want to ask you today is we're doing a little bit of a campfire style. I didn't really come prepared. I want it to be as casual as possible because I think that's how we get the most value out of people, for people to feel comfortable, for people to come in here and actually share what they believe in. So the first thing I want to say is what do you think that if you were to come in here and provide the most value, where do you want to start off, Jake? You know, let me say, first of all, I'm honored to be here, man. First podcast, first guest of yours. And if there's anyone who I know is going to run a killer podcast, it's you, man. So I'm stoked. Let's go. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think the most value is always in people's stories. You know, I mean, it's every, everyone's story is unique. And I mean, it, you know, there's always something to take from where people have come from, what they've done, choices they've made. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's the place to start, man. I mean, hopefully there's someone I can share that people can pull from, whether it's personal stuff, relationship business and we'll go from there well yeah i think you definitely fit the mold for all those things one thing that sticks out for me since day one we met in a coffee shop mm -hmm. three years ago yeah i thought you'd bring that up <laughs> <laughs> and the moment i met you one thing that i saw one great speaker spoke well and two you had a fantastic relationship with your girlfriend at the time mm -hmm. and one thing i went to this guy's house a couple months ago and this guy is like goals in terms of relationship. How do you, how do you, how did you foster that? Like, I know it started off on a little personal level, but how did you foster a relationship like that? Cause that's something that is so difficult in today's age because a lot of people look at relationships and you know, people are struggling to find someone, they don't click with people or it doesn't last long. But yeah. one thing is just, you are, you're a work hard, play hard kind of guy. And I think that your relationship is something that a lot of people aspire to have. And, you know, I, I know that I, I know um, your wife personally and she's amazing, but mm -hmm. I met you guys when you guys were still just in relationship, girlfriend, boyfriend stage. Yeah. And I just saw you guys were absolute, you know, killers together. And that's something that not a lot of people have. So I guess we'll start there. Yeah. You know, God, I mean, there's so many, there's so many places to go with that. Um, you know, I think first of all, the thing is you got to have a partner who thinks, 
thinks big the same way that you do. You know, I find so many times like people on the surface, they're, they like each other, they're good with each other. But I mean, when you dig into the stuff that matters, like where you want to go in life, what kind of life you want to design, that's gotta, that's gotta match. And you know, for me, like I always, always was a big dreamer. You know what I mean? And I think we, we share that a little bit, but it's a problem if you get into a relationship with a girl who, who is content and, and you know, they're good with just getting that, that okay job and, and kind of, you know, living for the weekend. And that, that just was never what I was about. And so I met Anastasia and man, you know what? Immigrant mentality is something different. And she came here from Russia 12 years ago. And, you know, people, people don't come here from other countries to just get by. Yeah. It's just, and I, I'm, man, I'm happy I've been around that for so long with her. She was, she was just a hustler right away. She came here with, she didn't even know English. She didn't know how to speak English. She came here at 15, solo. That right away, she's, she's beautiful. I mean, I know yeah. you've, you met her, but that right away, I was like, this, this girl's something different. You know I mean? To be able to do that. Imagine going to a place, you don't speak the language, you don't have any family, and trying to, and trying to figure it out. It's a crazy thing. But, uh, man, I think just right away, as I started to get to know her, she, she thought big. Right. And, and she expected that the person she was going to be with was, was going to be able to provide that. And not that she could never get it for herself, but it's just that she knew that if she was going to be with somebody, that there was an expectation that we're going to do big things together. And that just, that's the, that's the bedrock, I think, you know? Absolutely. Well, what, one thing, one follow-up I have for that, you, you talk about how important it was that that person also had those aspirations yeah. to, you know, get the most out of life, squeeze mm -hmm. the most out of life. I, I am a huge believer. And I, I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard it before. You are the five people you surround yourself with. Oh, yeah. How significant do you think it is to have that? And do you, how far do you think that's pushed you in your professional life? And then we can, we can take it from there. It's huge, man. And I mean, I'm a huge believer in that as well. Literally, I, f I first read about that in a book uh, called The Compound Effect. It's one of my all-time favorite books. And I didn't, really, I didn't really understand association before. You just don't ever really think about it until somebody makes you aware that you, you got to be mindful of who you're hanging out with. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, I think it's huge, man. And I think on, like a, on a relationship sort of level, it's almost more important than anything. Because, dude, I've seen this. If you, if you hang with guys that, you know... They, they cheat on their partners and, and they, they, you know, they, they talk shit about them and stuff. It's like, you might be a good guy, but I mean, eventually your environment, it just, it changes you, changes your behavior. So for me, I don't know, man, I was always very, I was always very, very intentional about, you know, if I'm, if I'm hanging out with people, what's their relationship like and how do they talk about their wife? You know, if they're talking, oh man, God, I finally, I got to ditch my girl and we can go hang with the boys. That just never, that never vibed with me, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So you guys have a connection like no other. You're not, you're not like, oh, bro, weekend. You're like, you guys are just a team kind of. Yeah, you know what, man? Look, we got married young. You know, I mean, we got married at uh, 25, which, you know, globally, like, that's not even young. Yeah. But in, for, I think for Canada and for North America and, like, for millennials and Gen Z, that's young. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um... I, you know, it came, it came with a thing that this is the, this is the girl who, man, I'd spend all day with her if I, if I could. And I think that sometimes, you know, like I, I remember hearing during COVID a whole bunch when, when everyone had to go inside and people were like, there were so many divorces and, you know, breakups and people like, man, if I have to spend another, 
minute with my girl, I'm gonna lose my mind. And it's like, you know, I think that's probably a good indicator that it, COVID's not the problem. COVID's exposing something that's not quite right there. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, Anastasia, like I said, I could spend all day with her if I, if I could. And uh, I think that's important, you know? 100%. Yeah. And you bringing up COVID, that, that really resonated with me because, we, you know, when we met, I met you with one of my old, old uh, girlfriends ah, yes. at the time. And <laughs> COVID definitely brought out some, some things with that. So yeah. I think a lot of people went through some similar things with COVID relationships, either got into relationships or forced relationships that they didn't feel right, but they wanted to be with someone during COVID or they were in relationships and you saw them being cut off. So that's, that's something that I think that was a real, re really prevalent during COVID. And I also think that it really, the ones who made it through, uh, it really gave a test of time, uh, showed them, wow, this relationship can actually go through something as bad as COVID and make it out probably even stronger. And that's going to lead into where I want to bring this conversation, which is your business side of things. And one thing you and Anastasia do, I know you guys have a couple things going on business-wise. And I saw a statistic on Instagram. I can't quote the exact percentage, but I know it's very high. Uh, relationships that go through a business and they create a business and they end up running a business together and it does well, yeah. the divorce rate goes down. Like it plummets. It's so much. It's so yeah. much less. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's, it's pretty staggering numbers. Yeah. It was just something that posted us on Instagram. So I know you guys have business aspirations. I know you guys have been working on some things. You know, you mentioned the supplements in our last conversation, yeah, yeah. but yeah, if you can delve deep into that and that importance of that and just what you're working on nowadays, man, because you're an absolute hustler yeah. and you have some big plans. And I, I think, you know, delving into that is something that would be valuable. So let's do it. Yeah, no doubt. No, I, you know what I mean? It's one of my favorite things to talk about on the relationship side. And, you know, we, like we've had our hands in lots of different things outside of our jobs since we were together and especially since coming back to Vancouver from Queens. But, um, you know, it's interesting, man. There, there are not a lot of opportunities out there that allow for a, you know, a couple to do stuff together. Or there's a lot of people that that's just not, you know, when they think about like doing something, it's like, this is my thing and you have your thing and that's great. The problem with that, and I've, I've seen this, man, it's like, you know, my, my parents are divorced. Like most of my, my friend's parents, it's just a sort of a thing that, I don't know what it's saying. Yeah, is, yeah. right. So divorced too, so. And, and it's cause you know, people, people do stuff where it's like, I go my way and you go your way and then we meet back. But you know, the problem is like, you do that for long enough, man. It's just, when you talk about association and you know, you start, you're almost, you're closer with your coworkers than you almost are with, you know, with your own spouse. Cause you spend more time with them. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I just always knew that if we were ever going to do, if we were ever going to do anything, I want to, I want to find a way for it to be together, at least in some part. Right. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge guy around. I, I think, you know, and as a guy, I think, I think your, your girl, your wife, your girlfriend, your fiance, whatever, has a lot of power to influence you and how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. And that's the way it should be. It's like, you know, there's that famous thing. It's like behind every great man is a, is a great woman. I agree. And, uh, there's a, there's a power that they just seem to have where if they speak into you the right, the right things, you feel good. You feel like you can conquer the world, man. And, but if, the, if it's the opposite and, and you know, they're, they're speaking into you things that are sort of pulling you, it's, so, it's more detrimental than anything. Yeah. You know? 
it's almost you're running and you have a band. You know those trainers, those athletes, they have a band around them yep. they're running against it. But it's almost you're being pushed forward if you find that person. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on the importance of spending time together mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I know a lot of people don't spend sometimes one date a week or whatever. And some people think you don't have to spend a lot of time with them or you can mm-hmm. see them once a week or twice a week. Where, where, where does that time come in? Where do you find that middle ground? Because a lot of people, a lot of men especially, they're very, work is their life in yeah. a way. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you mentioned how you making, trying to make her a part of that and yeah. making her link to that. In some way, I think that's, that's very valuable. But where do you find that middle ground to you're not almost spending too much time? Because don't you yeah. think distance like, is, is good in any way? Or do you think that yeah. it should be kind of a thing where you just spend as much time as possible? No, you know, you need, um, you need separation because that creates also mystique, mystery. Yeah. And, you, you know, you need that for attraction. If you're just together, all the, you know, things can start to become, it's just like there's no... There's no, there's nothing surprising. There's nothing new and that's important. So no, it's not just 24 seven, you know, but have you read a book? Have you ever heard a book called the five love languages? Yeah. The five languages of love. Yeah. So, you know, I read that and it rubbed off on me a lot. And, um, you know, one of Anastasia's is quality time. And so I, you know, I just, I think the problem is like sometimes people are, you know, in relationships that they don't ever really take the time to like figure their, their girl out. It's, you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're not intentional about that. And so, you know, for me, I wanted to know, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to spend all my time with her maybe, but the time I am going to spend, I want to know what it, what does she need for that to be good time? You know, for some people mm. it's physical touch. That's mm. mine for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for her, it's quality time for, you know, for some people it's, it's, uh, it's words of affirmation. You know, they, they need yeah. to, they need to know that their partner, you know, is saying good things about them. Right. Right. But for her, it's quality time. So it doesn't have to be all the time, but it has to be that when I'm with her, I'm with her. So I'm not on my good. phone. So I'm, good. you know, I'm not. And it's funny when how you talk about how we met. I'm a very social guy. I like to say hello to people as strangers and people look at me like I got five heads sometimes. But, you know, that that's something that I've gotten in trouble about before where we're kind of on a date and I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, dude, what a great shirt, man. And she's like, hey, you know, so... <laughs> The time has to be, it's got to be us time. That's, that's it. And and that's so, it's almost like you're making sure, how can I make this time as rich enriching as possible? And you almost take that a strategic approach by learning about her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super, super valuable. And hundred percent, you know what, when you look at, when you look at people with relationships, some people just get into a relationship and they don't they spend time, oh, they go to the movies or they do this, but they don't understand is what do you need? And that comes from communication. That comes from learning. Mm-hmm. And you've been mentioning books oh, yeah. this whole podcast so far. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a big reader. I went to this guy's house and he had, oh, what was it, 50 books? Or yeah, something? I got a lot of something books, man. Nuts. <laughs> Where, how big has reading been for you in your life? And what books... Like uh, three books that you think everyone, obviously it depends what you want, but three books that change your life. Like you've mentioned two already. Mm-hmm. Do you have one more that just sticks out or, and uh, after you do that, where does reading, like how has that helped you in your personal life? And do you think it's something that is 
worth the time for everybody because it's such a hard task with the world being so yeah, stimulated, so right? Yeah. There's Instagram, there's YouTube videos, but so few people now find the time to sit down and have that book in their hand and actually read it through. So do you think that that's something everyone should take on? And, and what, what, do you have some book recommendations that just come to your mind that you think people should read? Yeah, dude, I love, I've loved reading since I was, since I was a kid. And I'm a, I'm a total nerd. I got even no problem saying that. I used to love reading sci-fi and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'll be, I'll be honest. I think, I think doing that growing up, I do, I do think that it, it, uh, it changes your brain. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it made me, uh, more creative. You know, I used to, I do, I could spend, I could spend a whole day just bl I blasting, blasting through a good sci-fi book. I love nothing more than that when I was young. Um, obviously more recently it turned more into, you know, a little more intentional about books that are going to help us move forward. So personal development books, finance books, whatever the deal is, but no, it's, it's huge, man. I do think, um, it's that cliche leaders are readers, right? And it is kind of cliche, but it's, it's true. And I think, I think the one thing is people get into this weird thing where it's like they, you know, you see posts on, on, uh, Instagram and stuff where it's like, I read, <clears throat> you know, 200 books this year. It's like, okay, great. But like, did you implement anything? Mm, yeah. So, and it took me a bit to figure that out because I would read all this stuff and then I, I wouldn't, I, I would feel good, but I wouldn't actually do anything with it. So I started to scale back as much as what I was reading and I was more so like, okay, let's find the books that are really what I need right now. So one of them as an example would be Atomic Habits. That's one of my all time favorite books. I think you could read that book 50 times and, and find something new in it. And I think if you apply the stuff in that book, so this is going to go on a bit of a tangent. Go ahead. <clears throat> that concept of, of, you know, building your identity. That's what it talks about in the beginning of that book. I think is literally my like compass for personal growth and who I want to become. I think people kind of complicate a lot of stuff. So, you know, what are your, not this, not that you shouldn't know this, but it's like, what are your values and you know, who do I want to become and da da da. But for me, it's like knowing what your identity is and then everything you do in your day is a vote for or against that Ooh. identity. Wow. If I'm a, if I'm a, if I say I'm a reader and I read, it's another vote towards that identity. And the deeper that becomes, the more the habit's going to stick. You know what I mean? If I'm a runner, but I eat chips and shit all night. That's a vote against that identity. And it's, you know, it's like enough votes rack up and it's going to tip the scales. So I don't know, man, that, that like visual concept got me so fired up when I was like, okay, so I can think about who I want to be in all these different areas. And then it's simply just the stuff I do every day is a vote for or against it. And you rack up enough votes and all of a sudden, whoa, how'd I become this person? Wow. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's such a cool concept. It absolutely is. And I, I think that identity is something that's so hard for people to actually, so many people don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And I, I need to ask you, like you're somebody from day one, you seemed very grounded, very set. Has there ever been a moment like, did you, were you born like that? Were you no. born, I know who Jake Perkins is. I know what I want. Like you knew it, you knew what you wanted. You were very clear on it. And then the books kind of helped with that. Or did you start off? I don't even know who I am. 
and you kind of built this up through books, through life experience. And what did it for you? Because I think a lot of people don't have an identity because we're filled with a Instagram, right? So many different opinions. You should do this, do this, yeah. wake up at 5 a.m., wake oh, up yeah. at, at 8 a.m. And there's so many different opinions out there where so many people are overloaded with information and then they forget who they are or maybe yeah. they don't even know who they are so they latch, their on to, latch on to who someone else is yeah. and then they try to do that. But deep down, it's almost an imposter syndrome. Have you had any of the same or have you always known who you are? No, man. I mean, I think it's a loaded question, but no, but it's a, it's a good question, but like, no, man, I'm, I'm always, I'm always trying to figure out who I am. It's always evolving a little bit, but I think there's certain things that sort of, like you said, ground you, but no, dude, like when I was, when I was young, like I, um, you know, I was always, I was always fine. Kind of, kind of doing my own thing. I, you know, I didn't really care. Like, I remember I would, you know, I would come home. My mom would be like, what do you, you know, what did you do at lunch today? It was like grade, you know, grade one and two and three. And so, oh, I just, you know, I kind of sat, sat alone and did my thing. And she was actually worried. She was like, shit, my kid's like, you know, not making friends. But I, it's because I didn't actually really care much about what other kids were doing. Mm. That started to change. But, you know, then I think sometimes the, the social pressure starts to catch up and you go from, you know, from having your own thoughts to like, you start feeling influenced by. And so I remember, you know, I grew up, I, I played very high level tennis and that almost, that almost wasn't even my choice and who I was. That was pushed on me by my, by my dad. I'm happy he did it. It teaches you a lot, but it's like, you know, I, I took a step back at one point, kind of coming into like the end of grade 11. And I was like, I don't really even know if this is what I'm about. And so I stopped playing and, you know, I started trying to figure out who I was. And, you know, the truth is, man, like I, I got in, I started hanging around with some guys that I, I probably shouldn't have been. I started doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. I got suspended from school, you know, drug related stuff. And I don't know, man, all this stuff started happening and it's cause I didn't know who I was. So, and then university, that's a whole other like social sort of environment where like it really exposes that. If you don't know who you are, man, it's like a, weird experience it's a weird place to be you know it's like do i like you know frat parties do i like sipping wine in the library and i don't know it's like i always think of 21 or 22 jump street yeah, i don't know if yeah. you these two th- yeah he's at the frat party and she's at he's at the library with the art people but it, i don't know man that's kind of what what university was like a bit for me was sort of figuring out like what do i even like without all the all the kind of social pressure what do I actually like and what am I about? And I don't know, man, it t- took me a while, but uh, I'm, still, I'm still figuring it out, I think. Damn. Uh, you know what? That explains so much yeah. to what you said earlier because you said we talked about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. And you gave the example of your wife and how that has had such a positive influence <laughs> on you. And I had a thought at the moment does he know this because he hung around with people who were not so good? And then he went down a path, like got into some stuff. And that seems to be the case. And I think that a lot of people surrounding yourself with positive individuals and people that, you know, you want to be, but if you don't know who you are, 
doesn't matter. You don't know who you want to hang around. So you're going to hang around maybe the fun people or the people mm -hmm. that seem cool, right? But if you know who you are, you're really set on it. You're going to surround yourself with the right people. And I, I think, you, you know, you ended off saying you're still figuring it out. And it's a, it's a journey and it's something that people are going through. But something about you is you seem to have a ton of life experience. And I know you travel a mm -hmm. lot. You're a big traveler. Every time I text him, hey, we should meet up for coffee. I'm traveling. I'm somewhere else. Yeah. How has that influenced who you are to this point? And were you always a traveler? Like, how has it influenced you being able to come and, I would say, connect with people? And how has it influenced your career, personal life? And mm -hmm. do you think it's something everyone should do uh, if they wish to achieve similar results to who you are? Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, there's so much life to be lived out there. And I mean, it's like, I was lucky. My, you know, my dad happened to work in the uh, cruise industry. Okay. And, you know, we didn't come from like a, a wealthy family by any means. You know, we were a, a middle-class family, but we, we got a good amount of opportunities to go and do stuff. And yeah, man, I mean, it's crazy just... My, my, my stepbrothers, <clears throat> just to paint like a, a bit of a, a separation, I guess, a little bit, they are from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and, you know, a bit of a suburb there. And I, I remember meeting them for the first time and sort of asking them a little bit. So, you know, where, you know, do you guys like to get out of, get out of state and, and travel a little bit? And, <clears throat> and they straight up went, no, we've never even been out of our county. You know, it's like a little geographic area. And they're awesome dudes, and I, I look up to, to both of them. They're super smart, but, and I think my mom's influence has helped them break out of their shell a little bit, but that always just freaked me out, man. I mean, the idea of, like, just that there's so much stuff out there that's, like, different from what you know, and, like, you know, you're not excited about exploring that. That's why I love travel, man. I don't know. It's just so many different people, different, different things to do, different experiences, and it does change you 100%. And I also think if you don't get fired up about going and traveling the, the beaches of the world with your friends, you're out of your mind. I mean, that's just, what, what do you work and, and, and hustle so hard for if not for experiences? Wow. You know? Do, do, and you know what? Do you believe we only live one time? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. If you're asking me in a spiritual sense, I, I would say yes. And, you know, because of that, it makes it all the more important to get out there and, and live a life, man. You yeah. know, it's, and that's not about sitting Absolutely. behind a desk and no one, you're not going to care about that shit. I, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and I think it's sometimes I think like it's, um, what's, what's what I'm looking for. It's ignorant to say that. Cause I get some people are in situations where they'd be blessed to get an office job and make that kind of money. I, I get it. But it's like, if you were in a, a country in a place and, and you know, you have certain things that have allowed you to do more than that, I think it's a real shame that people don't choose to do more than that. Well, why do you think that is? Well, why do you think people are open with that? Because you, you explain, like, if you look at, like, because what you're saying makes so, like, I was on the phone with my little brother uh, two and a half hours ago. And there's so many people where the way they live, it just didn't make sense to me. It's not that I think it's bad or, it just, if I was in their similar situation, like how wouldn't you wanna squeeze the most out of life, like really new experiences, go explore the world, do these things that you were saying. Cause 
it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, but at the end of the day, like if they're happy, they're fulfilled, they're content, then that's, I believe that's okay. But at the end of the day, how can you be fulfilled, content? And, and the only, the only thing that comes to my mind when I think about that is they are content and stuff because they don't even know what's out there. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you well, think? Or they don't want to know. Uh, that's the other mm. thing. Some sometimes I think it's a it's a choice, man. It's like there's a you know there's a fear that stops people. It's like <clears throat> I don't know. The reference I always make it's like um, it's like the Matrix. It's like you could show someone you know the truth and the answer, but they gotta wanna you know they gotta wanna open that door and take it and take a look. And that's just freaky to some people. You know what I Is mean? It it, risk? Is it risk? It's, I think it's a it's a risk to their. It's a risk to their self-image. It's a risk to their identity because it's like, you know, as an example, it's like, take the, you know, take the guy that's been that's been employed for you know for thirty, some odd years, whatever. And I don't know. Let's say he's a lawyer, and and, you know, if you expose an oppor- you know, some kind of an opportunity where maybe he could go and 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 you know do something else for himself, but he, you know, his whole life and identity has been wrapped up in, I'm a lawyer. Like this is what I do, and and that's who I am. That's a big, scary thing to step away from that. You know what I mean? Because it's all you know. It's all, yeah. And so, you know, people, people I think have to choose to want to know first. And I, in my experience, in my opinion, I think a lot of people are just too freaked out to take that. They stick with what's safe and uh, that's just human nature. Safe, what I know, I don't have to worry about figuring stuff out, you know? Wow. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think that it is human. It's actually human nature to take the safe option. 100%. So it makes sense. But I remember when I was in high school and I was about to go to UBC, I, uh, I, uh, someone in the library called me back. His name was Scott McInnes. And he was a mentor of mine at the time. He said, can I just do a little demonstration for you? And he got a piece of paper and he said, listen, Here's, he drew a circle and he said, here's where usually everyone stays. Here's where the magic happens. This is so basic, so basic. It's probably something everyone's seen on Instagram, you know, that picture, comfort zone, but it's so true. And I think that when the fear comes in and people see life as, you know, I don't want to take that risk. I don't want to try to be the, a lot of people are lawyers because their parents were lawyers or their parents were doctors. 100%. But at the end of the day, like, if you were to ask themselves when they were kids, what did you want to be? So few of them would have said lawyers, doctors. Probably they wanted to be a gamer or they wanted to go travel the world. They wanted to do things that not many people do. Like, a lot of people want that. But at the end of the day, it's scary. It's risky. And a big reason why you had you on, let's go back to the podcast, I'm living fast. I think living fast is about taking risks. And I think, I, I think it's about like life's too short. The slogan of this podcast is life's too short to live slow. Mm-hmm. And that's about taking risks, throwing yourself into things when you're not ready, when you're not hundred percent ready, when there is uncertainty, when you haven't been to those places and say you want to go to the Bahamas, you've never been there. You don't know what's going to happen. But for me, like life would be so mundane if there wasn't that novelty there wasn't that risk especially when you're younger 
and where you can afford it. And people say, oh, I'll do when I have all this money and stuff. But at the end of the day, like a lot of times they just stay to what they're, they get comfortable and they stay there. Mm -hmm. And for me, like if they're content and they're happy and that's what they, they wake up every morning, they're pumped. There's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I truly believe that when you put yourself in situations that you've never been in, if you can, whether it be a new location, whether it be a new experience, whether it be a new business venture, I think that things come out of, of that that could have never happened for them or could have never happened if they make it up to the other side. And more importantly, it gives them perspective. Maybe they go to Bahamas. I don't like the Bahamas. I like this small town in the middle of nowhere. I like more simple life. Yep. But you'll never know you if you love, because if you might love it in the small town, but you might love it 10 times more in the Bahamas or somewhere else. And you have to try that. And I think knowing's important. Like just, just the act of knowing, maybe you're 90% sure you would prefer a corporate job over doing your own thing entrepreneurial. But you won't know 100% unless you try. Yep. And I think you're somebody who has tried a lot of stuff. You are obviously somebody, you have a ton of sales experience. You worked at a company called Brain Station. It's a local, is it local or is it? More uh, local? Toronto. 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 But local office here, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I remember I used to study at the place called, it was Trees Coffee and across the street was Brain Station. That's right. That yeah, was yeah. the... That was the click when I, you said brain station. I'm like, I know, I, I know, I've seen it. It's a cool logo yeah. from across the street. And that's about taking like educational courses and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yep. So like obviously you're somebody who has a ton of experience with teaching other stuff in, in life experience books. Obviously the stuff with your relationship is great. But one thing that I, when I think of Jake Perkins, it's like you're a character, you're a polarizing character. And that's the, one of the main reasons why I want to have you on is because I think you're somebody who, you're walking down the street and you meet somebody and they're gonna remember you for five years. And I think that those people are hard to come by. And I think you're somebody who's hard to come by. And I'm just so happy to have met you because I believe that those people for one way or another has pushed the boundary in some way. So when it comes in, is like, you've done all this stuff up to this point. We've talked a little bit about it, but where do you want to go? Like, where do you want to go with this? I would say very lucky personality. I think life's like a game of poker. You're given a deck of cards and you got to work with what you got. I think your hand is really good. So yeah. what, what do you want to do and, and where do you want to take it? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I love, thank you, by the way. Yeah, just straight up, right? from the heart, from the heart. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's a G. You know, before I answer that, though, it's funny that I, I think one of the most polarizing things that you could be is somebody who just actually gives a shit about other people and is interested. You know, one of my all-time, like, favorite phrases is stop trying to be so interesting. Instead, be interested. And uh, I don't know, man. I think the reason that maybe people sometimes... And I don't even know if this is true, but maybe the reason that, that people would, would remember me is because I, you know, I, I want to I wanna know about a person. Like, I remember when we, 
Meh. You know, it's like there's nothing worse than guys that, you know, all they want to all they want to do is talk about them and and all the stuff that they're doing and you get that impression that it's like they don't actually really kind of care about what you have to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Um and it's just uh yeah, man. So I, you know, I, I try to, I try to be that way as much as I can, but as to your question, I mean, what do I want? I got some big, some big dreams, man, in a lot of different areas. I mean, number one, we want to have a family. Absolutely. You know, I want I want to be a dad. Um, you know, if all goes according to plan, maybe two, three years, you never know. Um, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen, but, um, you know, we want to have a big family. I, uh, you know, I was an only child. Um, and I, I was just always fascinated by, you know, like, uh, having siblings and stuff. And I, this is going to sound crazy because people, but again, it's another like limitation that people are like, well, that's so expensive. Stop. I'm never going to let money dictate how many kids I can have. But yeah. it's like, I would love to have four or five kids, you know, Absolutely. I just, I, 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 so one of the things for me is envisioning that home that's just lively and active and there's a lot going on. It's going to be hectic, but I love that. So that's a big one. Um, for me, man, a huge one is financial freedom. I, I think that I think that's it's a real crime in today's age when there are so many ways to not have to need to work for money that people work for money for 40 years. I just, you know, and I, you know, I, I know guys in this city and in places in the states. Like I know guys of of all ages that that live that way and that they, you know, they may choose to work, but they don't have to. And it's such a different lifestyle, man, when you can have that level of freedom and just, you know, go and do stuff and, and six Saturdays and a Sunday, you know? And it's like, I want to get up on a, on a Wednesday at 10 AM and, and go hit the Equinox <laughs> while everyone's grinding away. Like that's awesome to me. Right. So that's a, that's a huge one as far as as far as financial goals go, um, you know, a lot of physical goals too, man. I, I want to compete in boxing 100%. Um, I don't maybe have the bandwidth to pursue that as I would want right now, but there will come a time where I will do that without a doubt. You say that with almost your eye contact yeah. when you said that, I, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. And, and the most important thing is like you you, uh, you, your eye contact totally changed. Like I'm going to do it. Yeah. Some people they're under, Oh, I want to do this. You're like, I'm going to. 100%. And I know you're super into boxing USC. I remember we had a long conversation. You were about Jake, if Jake Paul is going to win the fight, and you actually <laughs> yeah. broke it down for me. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the, who was that one again? Silva. And you were right. right. You were right. Remember yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Said yeah. Jake he was going to win and he won. And you know, I think fighting is something that is so, it teaches you a lot about life, you know, going in there and just doing boxing, finding it a passion. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you to work hard. It teaches you a lot of different things. Like I used to do Muay Thai, but I know you're a lot more into it. Like you're really, really into it. I know you go, you invite friends over to see the events and stuff. What, what kind of clicked for you for boxing? Was it the entertainment aspect? Was it the hard work kind of creed style? You know, the training aspect of it? What, what is it that gives you this drive to be like, this is something I'm going to do? Because your eye contact was just different on that. Yeah, man. You know what's funny? The, the reason it started is because I stopped playing tennis. I, you know, like I said, I got in, just got in, got in a bit of trouble and, you know, things I shouldn't have been doing. And I was like, I need a way to, 
I need a thing to, to channel my energy into again. I think if you're born with that gene, that, that competitiveness, you, you know, you always need something to be applying it to. And when you don't have that thing, I think that's sometimes when people start to get in a little bit of trouble, you know, it's cause like you're doing stuff now that's like just not productive. It's not moving you forward. So I needed a new thing after tennis. It's been 10, 12 years of like, you know, four hours a day, six, seven days a week of tennis. Crazy. You just take that away. It's like, there's a, there's a void, you know? So I was like, okay, I want to try boxing and I tried it and I remember my, my one big thing. So I, this is the funniest thing. So I started going to a gym called Sugar Rays. It's on uh, third, like third and Burrard here in Vancouver. Sugar and um, I remember going in, meeting the owner of the gym, Bob. If ever there was a bloody textbook boxing gym owner, it was Bob. He was like this short guy, bald, British, thick. He had no neck. Just right he, he, he was a, he was an absolute bulldog in human form. Like that's just who this guy was. And he, you know, I come in and, and I remember, you know, getting my, my membership and I was like, I'm all right, I'll be back tomorrow for my first day. Great. Sounds good. And I remember walking in with all my gear and stuff. And I, you know, went in the gym, I was looking for him and, and I was, Oh, Bob, I found him. I was like, Hey Bob, I'm, I'm here for my first day. And he was like, okay, so what you want to, you want a kiss or a pat on the back or something? get the fucking work. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay. It's hard. I know. Yeah, I understand where <laughs> I'm at now. And he would like, he'd walk around the gym with like a, a cricket paddle. And you know, if you were hitting the bag and you were dropping your hands, he'd literally, he'd smack you with the, with the cricket paddle. Wow. Like, yeah, he was hardcore, man. So but the shit out of you. So yeah, I mean, yeah. But um, the reason, so I started doing this as a way, okay, we'll see if I like this. And then I remember seeing guys sparring. And I, you know, I'd never, I'd never watched any live boxing sparring before. And the thing for me became, after I saw that in one of the first days I was there, I was like, I want to, I need to, I want to prove to myself that I can do that. That was real. And so my whole thing for the next six, eight months from knowing nothing about how to, you know, throw a punch, how to move became, I want to learn enough to get good enough so that I can start sparring and prove that I can do that. Because it's, I don't know, man. It's like, maybe for some people, it's no big deal. It's like, they'll go to the bar and just, you know, scrap. And yeah. Like, okay, cool. Like you're a bit of a psychopath if that's you, but there's guys like that, you know? Oh yeah. But I think for a lot of us and a lot of other people, it's like, man, the idea of like, you know, scrapping with someone, it's a big thing. Like it's Absolutely. intense. Yeah. So I was like, sometimes. yeah, man. So I was like, I want to, I want to know that I can like face that though. So yeah, man, that was my, that was my whole thing. I remember like the, the day that we like arranged that we were going to get a, a spar in. It was like my first spar and I was like so nervous, man. I was like, this is, I, it was on a Saturday and I was like nervous the whole morning and I was like, I couldn't really eat much and that, but it was, that was the whole point was to, to do that. And I think, um, I think as a guy, there's, you need something like that. It doesn't have to be fighting, but I think you need a, you know, you need a thing that's like, it's a little bit scary, but that it's like, I'm doing this almost for no other reason other than like to show myself I can. Yeah. To face that. That's how you feel good about yourself. man. How much confidence did that give you? Like it did that. Were you like confidence wise, just a new person after oh, that? It's one of the greatest feelings ever after that. When I like took the gear off and I was like, fuck yeah, I, I did it. It was one spar. Like it's not so, you know, guys. But how long did that take to train for? 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it took me probably six months to be able to like, I know how to move and throw. So it was like all this work to, and it'll sound dumb to guys listening that like actually box and fight. They'll be like, yeah, okay, big deal. And I get it. But like, I don't know, to like the average person, it's like, it, it was a big, it was a big win, man. And I don't know. It's like, you just, you need, I think you need stuff like that. That just makes you feel like you're a winner straight up, you know? Winners win. Winners, that's right. Winners win. Yeah. And you know what? I I think boxing is something that, like, there's been times where I, I've gone into scraps and stuff, and it's it's scary. It's scary because, you know, when you when you haven't gone into things and you haven't done that professionally yet in Muay Thai, but I never boxed before, and it's just throwing yourself into that. It's dangerous, and having that confidence of I can if push comes to shove, I can throw. But I think the most important thing for people is not trying to fight because you want to fight in the street. Oh, Wanting to fight because you want to, it's, it's the why you're fighting. Like, do you have a, do you have a why behind it? Like, why, why am I doing this? Was it just the win or was it if something ever happens, like I can protect myself or I can protect my wife or was that something that got into it or was it more of just something of a passion and you wanted to pursue it? it no, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, there was a little bit of that maybe. I mean, look, here's the thing, man. I think every, I think every guy that has a, you know, a degree of ego and, you know, for me, part of, you know, part of that was like, I just always, for, for whatever reason, like always a, a huge fear of mine was this fear of like, this is going to sound, this is going to sound weird. And I hope this doesn't get taken out of context, but it's like, I always had this fear where I never wanted to be in this position of like being dominated by another person. Wow. I don't know like where, I don't know where it came from. I don't know why, like, but I just, in any, in any context, you know, and it's like, I just, maybe that was part of it is like, I just, for me, it's like the, the most, um, the most humiliating thing in my mind was always just like that someone, you know, had some degree of, power over you in some area and you, and you couldn't do anything about it. So yeah, maybe there's a bit of that it, physically, if someone, you know, wanted to do something, do I want to feel like I can at least put up some kind of a fight? Maybe. Wow. Yeah. But I think that's probably where it, where it came from a little bit. Well, you know? I, I know you're a sales guy too. And yeah. I know like you read obviously the 48 laws of power. I, I read about half of that actually. Half of that. Candidly, not the whole thing. Okay, like you're, you have the physical side, right? You're boxing, you, you killed it, you killed the sparring. You're in sales, which I would say is a fight in itself to get the sale. And yeah. one, I, I haven't seen you try to close or whatever, but I've talked to you face to face. You're good at what you do. And I, I don't know the numbers you pull. I don't know if you've been doing this your whole life, but I do know you're able to speak with the best of them and you listen well yeah. and you have that strength. And I think that, you know, sales is something that's super, super important. What's your approach to selling? Like what's your approach? Is it, is it cold calling? Is it more just sit down and connect with them first? Like what's something, cause I know there's a lot of sales people. I have a lot of sales friends that yeah. run sales agencies. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know a lot of them and you're one of the best at what you do. And I don't even know like the numbers you pull, but I'm guessing they're pretty good. 
Yeah, you know what, man? I mean, the the methods always will will vary based on where you work, your industry. Like some places, you got to make a, a billion cold calls. That's just what you have to do. Some some industries that doesn't work. That is that's just not productive. But I think it's it's uh, you know I had my time doing that. I think one of the the greatest blessings was my first job, which was at a recruitment company, a headhunting company. Um, it's a real tough industry, man. Like it's it's very saturated. It's very I remember I would call guys for, and for anyone who's not aware of sort of what that industry is, you know, we would, we would, we would be calling companies where they were hiring for a job and, you know, we would try to sign them as a client. And then when we signed them, we would then go and find candidates to fill the job. And you only get paid in that industry when you find somebody and they hire them. So you, you, there's a, a lot of the time you're doing all this work and it doesn't actually end up paying off if your person doesn't get hired. So it's a tough industry, you yeah. know, but that, I remember that, man, I, I worked for this little boutique company called uh, Magna Search Group. And, and this was a real like boiler, boiler room, like, you know, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross type shit. Like it was like that Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> so I remember on day one, I went in and I'm taking notes all day and I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn everything I can. And then at the end of the day, they, they brought out this amp, like a speaker and a microphone I was like, oh, I wonder what this is all about. And, and they were like, um, all right, Jake, like it's time to, time to come on up. And I was like, wow, were they going to make me like sing a song or something? And then I come out and the whole company, which granted, there was only like 20 people at the time, was sitting in chairs. And they were like, okay, new guy. This is the end of my first day. Uh, we're going to pretend right now that we're on a cold call live. And we want you to, we want you to sell us on why somebody should work with Magna. Three, two, one, go, ring, ring. And you know, you're there and it's like, that's one of those moments that's like, it just like a, a paralyzing fear. And you're like, oh. everyone's watching you, you know, and it's like day one. I don't know anything about what I'm talking about, but um, that's the kind of place it was. And ultimately all they wanted to see was, are you the kind of person that will try? Mm-hmm. They didn't, no one cared what you sounded like. There's no expectation you're going to know even what you're saying on day one, but it's like, are you going to freeze and freak out? Or are you going to try to spit something out and do something? What happened? Well, I got, you know what? I got through it, man. And they, you know, everyone's clapping and everything. So I got through it, but that was then a place where I learned sort of like the start of my sales uh, career was there. And it's like, I, I sat in front of the CEO for four months and everything I did, he listened to. And it was, I would, I dude, I would go to work. I'd have knots in my stomach. I'd be so nervous just cause again, it's like, dude, I was like, 23 and it's like you know the ceo and everything you're doing is being scrutinized and you know those were 50 cold calls 60 cold calls a day kind of thing wow but um for people that are in sales i think you sometimes need that first experience to thicken your skin a little bit wow it's like it's not an easy thing to work in man like there's a lot of rejection a lot of people tell you to fuck off and and will tell you no and you'll hear no a lot more than yes like a lot more yeah but you know, if you can learn to, I think, uh, just be cool with that and not let it like get to you personally, then you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta future in sales perhaps. But if that destroys you, it doesn't matter how good you are, how, you know, well you communicate, that's gonna, that's gonna destroy you. So it's the fear of rejection that you have to get Oh yeah, hundred percent. Which I think is like probably everyone's like in their top three, like greatest fears, I would think. Yeah. And it's actually backed by no. data that rejection, we feel the same as physical pain. Yep. So 
it's crazy that something is sales. That's why I was so happy to have you on because someone that sales is like war. You're gonna get so many no's. You're gonna have to, there's probably other salespeople calling them. It's like life. Oh, 100%. And you said you went to Queens. Yep. And I know we've talked a little bit about that. How, how has Queens helped you in your personal life? And do you think university is something that genuinely has, has helped you now that you're sitting here today? Or do you think it's something that <laughs> you believe is, is not relevant, especially in today's world? You know, obviously people are taking out loans. They're taking massive amounts of risk to get a degree. Obviously, I'm a big believer. It depends on what you do. But, you know, you're a guy that uh, economics, Queens. Yep. So it's something that's very difficult to do. And Queens, <laughs> great university. Uh, we all know us at Solder as well. You know, I'm, I'm Solder proud, but Queens yeah. is pretty good. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, like, do you think that's something that's, if you could do it again, would you go back or would you do it? And do you think that someone that's making that decision in university, do you think it's something that they should consider if they're pursuing something similar to you? If I could go back to after high school, would I go to university again? Um, I think no. And, you know, man, I, I think people that want to be doctors and lawyers and, you know, you, there's, a, there's a type of education you need. Fair play. You got to go get your schooling. But I think, I think outside of that, we're lucky in Canada. You know, it's like school is not overly expensive relative to if you go to school in the States. But I don't know, man. I, I think that university, now that I've been through a four-year undergrad, and by the way, economics is not hard. It's an arts degree. <laughs> it's, it's hard. hard. Hey, I, econ, full disclosure, Econ 102, one of the hardest. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's just me, though, but yeah. Uh, the only thing I remember from my friggin' whole degree, I swear, is supply and demand, baby. That's it. <laughs> but no, you know what? I think, I think uh, university is not overly practical. And I don't think you know that when you're like in the midst of it. You think you're, I'm learning all this great stuff and this is cool. But it's like, and then you get out in the real world and you kind of find like, no one, no one actually cares though about, yeah. you know, did you go to Sauter or Smith at Queens? And, you know, do you know, you know, marketing theory? It just, it's all... And, you know, you've worked with, you know, Keys and all these great, cool companies. You probably saw, I don't know how much of you felt your business degree was applicable. Probably very little, I would think, as far as how to do, how to do marketing and, and understanding the financials of a company, how to grow a company. It's just, I think, not overly practical. Yeah. So for me, my experience at Queens was the work and the degree was not a waste of time, but it was kind of a waste of time. <laughs> it just... But it did teach me some stuff that I'm happy about. And I think if you're the kind of person who hasn't grown in these areas yet, then actually school is probably a good thing for you. And that would be things like how to take care of yourself, um, how to, you know, how to make friends, like how to, like how just how to live where you're not sort of at home anymore, wow. stuff like that. That actually was valuable. You know, like I, I learned a lot of that stuff. I met Anastasia there. There's the whole dating scene. I'm not saying it's the healthiest thing ever, but like, you know, it will teach you and it will force you to kind of grow in some of those areas. That's, I think, kind of why university still, in my mind, there's a bit of value, but it's more because of the life stuff. It's, it's, it's really nothing to do, in my opinion, with the, the, the degree you pick or any of that stuff. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I, I think that all my friends say similar things about university and they look at university in 
the life stuff. It's yeah. it's making your bed in the morning. It's going to school and being on time. It's showing people that you can show up for four years and do things, complete a set of tasks that are pretty well, enough to pass, on time, yeah. and do that for four years consistently. And I think when, when I say those things, I think those are important skills, but a lot of that is you're being a worker, like completing tasks, X, yeah. Y, and Z. And I know that's life, like you have to do that. But through experience in my own life, like, yeah, the degree's been hel helpful, but like you said, it's been in, not in the degree I chose. It just taught me how to work hard. Yep. It taught me how to work hard. It taught me how to stay consistent with something, you know, check my notifications consistent enough. Yep. And, but, which is a great, I think if you get nothing else from school but that, that's actually a great win, you know? But, but, but then I sit there, like time is the most important asset. Like yeah. this time, we're sitting here today, like you're giving me your best asset right now, your time. You're giving these people your time. That's the number one thing, I believe. This yeah. is my opinion. Like you can't get time back. And yeah. do you really need to take four years to learn that? But some people do, like some people might do or they don't know, they might never learn that if they don't do, it kind of forces you to learn yeah. in a way. Well, then there's the stuff that we go back to like your association and your influence is like some people's whole life revolved around getting into university. And so obviously if you grow up in a family like that, that's just what, that's just what you know, you know, which I'm not saying it's, it's right, but that's just sometimes like, you know, how, like you can't fault a person for like, if that's just how they grew up and that was always like the thing. Yeah. You're not going to think anything else. The parents else, but were in there. Yeah. yeah right? You got to go to university. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're going to fail. I, I think one other thing too that about school is it also allows you to like, just kind of fuck some shit up figure it mess, out and mess do dumb stuff and then learn that um you can't do it <laughs> yeah or that there's consequences to stuff you know like i i don't know it's like you have, any stories yeah I, well yeah i mean i'm thinking of some it's like you have a degree of freedom and it's like that typically you know people will will start doing things that they maybe didn't do before and yeah man for me like i remember i remember one of those ones was was um you know, I won't, I won't get too much into the detail, but do, you know, doing, doing certain kinds of drugs even, and just learning that, you know what, as, as, as fun as that was maybe like, I just, man, I had some periods that were just really like, I wish I hadn't done that. And it just, it messed me up candidly a little bit. Like just, I, you know, I, I, when I met Anastasia, like around that time, that actually was a pretty crazy time for me. My emotions were all over the place. And a lot of that was actually because of but how else are you going to know that that's not who I want to be and what I want to do without doing it? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you know it goes I mean? back to what we said earlier. Yeah. Like you got to try shit. I don't think you should just be like vanilla and just all safe for, <laughs> well, yeah. Right. It's like you, you know, you got to kind of, you got to touch the dark a little bit to be like, okay, no, maybe I don't, I don't want to do that actually. Yeah. I think, you know? And, and was there, do you think you got to just try that once? Do you think you have to have an experience that, goes bad and, and you're like no because some people they'll do it once and they're like this is not for me like i smoked weed one time not for me yeah not for me but we did it one time but some people do weed for two three years and then they say actually you know what i don't like this you know what it, it's all different for me my thing with weed was and i was like a heavy heavy weed smoker in in 
grade 11 and 12, man. Like I'm talking every day, like, you know, but my thing was, yeah, I had a realization that it was at a party actually in grade 12 where I, I you know, I, I smoked a little bit and I remember have, trying to socialize with people and just feeling like I was a friggin' Neanderthal. And like, just, I was an absolute donkey. Like I, I couldn't articulate anything and it was, I was embarrassed yeah. and I was like, look at you now. Well, but you know what? That was enough for me literally to be like, I, and that maybe goes back to like that, um, feeling of being like, kind of like overpowered by someone. Right. I just, that's what I felt. And I was like, yeah, I'm never, I never want to be in a position again where I feel that. Wow. And so, so I don't know that was my thing. And I, I never really had much of a, a desire to smoke weed after that. I smoked that maybe a handful of, t literally like a handful of times only in university since then one or two, but I'd say over the last like seven years, I probably smoked weed like five times. Wow. That's crazy. And it's, I just, I don't know. I just don't want to anymore. You know, Th that's, you, you know what? I think that when you look at how, how you went from that feeling of, I, I don't want to feel this way again. You don't want to feel that you can't, you, you're talking to someone or you're talking to a girl or you're talking to a, your friend and you can't form a sentence oh, or man. they're just, they seem way smarter than you. And they're judging because they see yeah, your eyes and you. you know, you feel small and that was just the worst. That was the worst feeling ever, man. It's just, yeah, that was it. Damn. Well, you know what? I think a lot of people out there are struggling with, with, with those issues and some people just need to throw themselves in it and kind of find that moment. I think it's a moment where it's, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Some people never find it. Some people find it on the first go. Some people have an experience like you, they're doing everything and then they have that experience and they say, you know what? This is not who I want to be. Yeah. And you, you know, I know we share this and we talked about this before this podcast even went live. We were chatting it up right before we, we uh, turned on the cameras. And one thing that I hold very close to my heart is being an all-in player. Which and I love. I <laughs> believe that like, being all-in on who you are and what you want, yeah. it just, there's no substitute. You move differently. Like I can't explain. You have to go through, like, it's truly do or die. Yeah. And I got to ask you, do you believe that that, like, are you an all-in player? Are you someone that wants to be an all-in player? Or are you someone that has been kind of half in? And then you're like, this is not, this is, why didn't I just go all-in? Or is this something that you believe in your heart that maybe it's not for you? Do you know what? And I'm, I'm so happy you asked me that because I actually have realized actually fairly recently that when you when you strip away a lot of the stuff like your, your skill and how good you are and things and your connections and blah, blah, blah. I actually think now the differentiator between people that do epic stuff and those that don't is because they're what you said is because they're all in. I think, I think that it's some, something, something different happens in your brain. And I've had a couple areas in my life where I've made that change over the last couple of months and it changes everything, man. It changes the way you, it changes the way you talk about stuff. Yeah. It changes the way you, you know, you walk through life and you know, you're Different. maybe you have, you know, maybe you have something that you're, you know, you're trying to work on and you know, you've been scared of maybe what people are going to think about it. But when you just, when you make that decision, this is my fucking thing and burn the boats, burn the boats, burn the boats. Tony Robbins. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like just back, you know, back yourself into a, into a corner almost. I don't know, man. You just, 
you talk different about it. So yeah, to answer your question, I, I'm all about being all in, man. And I think that that's, I think that that is the, that is the separator, I think. Yeah. It, well, when it's do or die, like you said, you move, you move differently. Yeah. It's just something, yeah. something that happens where yeah. if you truly believe that, yeah. you will find a way to win. Yeah. Like you will find, and you see it, you see with the top performers, all the exceptional performers, they, this, like I'm going to do this and I believe in it. It's that self, like when you looked at me and you said, I'm going to do the boxing. Yeah. Like I could tell you were just so, because then you talked about the matrix and stuff like that. We talked about, you know, all these, all these topics about being, doing these things, these experiences. And we come back to this all-in thing, this all-in topic. And I think a lot of people do that. We talked about people being fearful because it's risky. When you're all-in, risk, keys was risky, high risk, all-in. And I think when things don't work out, you get to a point where I never want to do this again because if it's truly all-in, you're devastated. But you'll, you, you probably made it farther. You know what that thing, shoot for the stars or shoot for the moon, you'll land in the stars or yeah. whatever. If you're, if you're really all in, like if you fail, at least you know you were really all in. Like you yeah. gave it your best shot. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to get to that point. Like it's so hard to get there. You yeah. know, there's a phrase about that that always comes to my mind now that's like just having skin in the game. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to get to that point because, like, you kind of put yourself on the line a little bit. Like, you open yourself up to, you know, scrutiny and, and you know, judgment and stuff like that. And that, that just, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. That's a freaky thing for people. Yeah. But you can't be, you know, you can't be all in on something without, without that and without, like, attaching yourself to, you know, the thing. And if people think the thing is weird, they're probably going to think that you're weird also. But that's just sort of, I don't know if that made any sense, but, like, I don't know. That's just part of it. And so it's, uh, it's a hard thing to like make that decision. I'm, I'm putting myself on the line. Yeah. In, right. And some people, it comes down to confidence. Yeah. comes down to you are. And you, you know, I'm a big believer in manifestation. And I think if you're truly all in, like I'm going to do this, I need to do this. And you've also, you've, you're in Vancouver. You're way in one of the most expensive places to live in all of North America. You're here on this podcast being the first guest of the year. We have some big plans with this podcast and you're the first guest. Yep. And I literally, when you were coming on, I was pumped because I knew you were somebody who we share a lot of things, but also you have a ton of life experience. And the number one thing, like from what I've got from this conversation is you've, you've lived life like, where it isn't just all wins. Like, you know how you said you had that boxing win, you also had that moment in high school when things weren't going so well. So you have that, and that's how you know what you want. And mm-hmm. you, we talked about identity. We talked about just being, putting yourself into situations where you haven't been traveling around the world, wanting to explore, yep. wanting to do all these things that just squeeze the most out of life. Yeah. Whether it be, the relationships you have, but one common theme with this whole thing is you seem to be all about people. Like you seem, you you know, we started this off with uh, the conversation about Anastasia. 
you talked about how listening is the most important thing. And you know what that says? You're genuinely interested in people. And that's why I started this podcast because I'm genuinely interested in people. Yeah. And I, I'm a big believer that each person that comes on this podcast, they all live life fast in their own way. So for the final question of this episode. Yes, sir. How do you believe you live life fast? If you even do, but I believe you're a fast liver. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, it's, you know, I, again, I think touching on all the areas that we talked about, I live fast in my relationship. I, I think when it comes to, to being intimate with somebody is, you know, I, I don't, I don't have any interest in, in, you know, not saying things that need to be said and in not doing things together that you should be doing. It's like, I don't want to do those things tomorrow or next year. I want to do them now. That's just, no that's, way, yeah. And you Life's can't, short. and you can't, you know, you can't always, you can't always do that is sometimes, but I think it's like, if you always have that, that itch a little, it's gonna, it's gonna force you to move forward. You know what I mean? When it comes to pursuing our, our goals and our dreams of, of things like financial freedom, look, it's like, you know, I could read a million books or I could, or I could take action. And, and like I said, man, we've got our, we've got our hands in a lot of things that are, when I finish my day job, it's time to, it's time to build, to build our future. Pay your bills from, from nine to five, build your future from five to midnight. That's just most of our, and a lot of my friends are like, dude, let's go get beers. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't, and I don't want to. It's like, I could get beers anytime, but right now we gotta, we gotta build the life that we want. And, and you know what that is for you. The life that we want? The life that you want. 100%. And we talked a bit about it earlier. It's, it's a life of adventure. It's a life of freedom. It's a life of having, taking back power from like all the stuff that takes it away from you. Which again, in my opinion, and I'm not saying everyone has to think this way, is like being controlled by a job. Being controlled by money. I think if you're in a position where you, you are doing or not doing things because of money, you are controlled. And I just, I, I, that's, a, I have such a, I don't know if it's cause I'm a friggin' Sagittarius. It's like my burst, but it's like, I'm about, I don't want any, I don't want anything in my life that, that restricts me. And a lot of that takes time to break away from, you know, not everyone's born and they just have money. So you gotta, you gotta work for some of those things. But, um, that, that's the life I want, man. Adventure, freedom doing big things, not average, not mediocre. That's the scariest thing ever to me. Being one of a million other people. I want whatever the opposite of that is. I hope that, hope that helps answer. Uh, yeah, incredible answer. And I think that a lot of people are gonna feel you with that. And to be honest with you, you said you don't wanna be mediocre. You don't wanna be yeah. middle of the pack. Never. You obviously you're somebody who wants to just grab life by the throat and take it literally. I, 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 I think about you as an individual and ever since we've met every single conversation we've had, it's somebody who is constantly learning. It's somebody who constantly wants adventure. Like you're traveling all the time. You're doing all these things and you're coming on this podcast. You're the first guest and there's a reason behind that. It's because you live life this way. Yep. And I think it's so important. Life's too short to live slow. Mm -hmm. We talked about the importance of time. Yep. You want to do things now. Yep. And a lot of people, 
they're looking, they're skiing, I say they're skiing down a hill and they want to do something, but they're looking at all, they're going through the trees and they're looking at the trees. Yeah. Oh, these issues. But if it's truly, you're truly all in and you're like, this is what I want to do, you'll find a way to make it happen. You'll move differently and you'll find a way. And that's what I, we share that. And that's why I believe like you are going to do what you are meant to do on this earth, not because you deserve it. It's because you know how to get it. That's right. And through experience, through failures, through messing up. Yep. And I think that a lot of listeners are going to resonate with that with you. And the number one thing that I want them to look at is, yeah, you've had all the success, but you're constantly looking for more and you're driven by it. Yep. And you want to live a life that you sit there at the end of the day. I did everything that I wanted to do and I squeezed the most out of life. And I know you're absolutely going to do it. And that's why we're going to have to have you on another episode. But I wanted to finish off and say thank you to you for coming on for this episode. It's my honor, man. That was a blast. Give you a, give you a kind of last little push. If you guys want to find this person, you got to tell people where to find you. LinkedIn, Instagram. I don't know if you're big on social. Where can they find you if they want to reach out for some more value? Yeah, you know what? Funny enough, I'm not huge on a lot of social except for LinkedIn. Okay. So you can find me there. Um, I'm sure that we'll have the ability to, to link some stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll drop some um, links. But other than, other than that, you know, I hope that the next time that I come on here that there will be other places you can find me because of the things that we are building right now. So we'll, uh, we'll save that for the next one. Yeah, for sure. Yes. We, we both have some big plans, so we didn't really get into them, but that's it for another episode. Jake Perkins, Living Fast Podcast. Uh, shout out, we're sponsored by 8Born Fitness, Locked In Supplements. And one thing's for certain, life is too short to live slow. And, and we have somebody who lives pretty fast. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thanks, Weston.